it's my special privilege to uh, introduce you to uh, uh, who is going to speak this morning since uh, um, uh, we need a pastor this morning and uh, Ted Amy is here. Ted, uh, uh, Carrie and I and, and Pete and Megan have known Ted for gosh probably a dozen years anyhow, it's been quite a while since he, he was the uh, youth pastor at Asbury United Methodist in in Madison when Pete and Megan were both involved in that, that program and he's been real involved in Chrysalis. Um, so we've known Ted since he was quite a bit younger. He uh, um, graduated from Birmingham Southern and uh, Memphis Theological Seminary and now is back on staff at Asbury as their uh, pastor for prayer. Is that have the right term, pastor for prayer? And also for Storehouse, and if you, it takes too long to tell you about Storehouse, but it's an amazing ministry, and maybe he'll share a little bit about it today, but, but he, he has been the energy behind that. So um, we are blessed to have Ted Amy here this morning, and, and also um, his wife, Ted and Jill, Jill, I think about that, and two daughters, and uh, so, you know, being Father's Day, I'm glad we didn't tear you away from your family, so Ted, cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. So this, um, what an honor it is to be here this morning. Uh, I'll go in a little bit more, the, the longer intro. Uh, I've been in ministry for 20 years. Um, when I was 16, I accepted a call uh, to go into ministry. Uh, started in high school, um, met Jill. Uh, she actually asked me out, uh, so I've never been—I've never asked out a girl or been rejected. Um, uh, uh, and uh, she went to uh, Sanford University. I was offered a couple basketball scholarships, but decided to go straight into ministry. So um, in May of '94, uh, decided to go straight straight into ministry. Went to Birmingham Southern. Uh, still supporting myself through Birmingham Southern, um, and uh, then we've been in ministry since. Um, we had uh, Emma Kate, who's about to turn 15 in October, um, in 1999, and Claire in 2001. Um, we were at uh, Asbury as doing youth ministry from 2000 to 2004, and then left uh, for about four years, and then we've been back as an associate pastor. I love your pastor. Marshall is an incredible man of God, uh, and I think it's a, a, a privilege uh, for you all to have him as a friend and a pastor. And now being with you, I know it's a privilege to him to have you all as his church and his family. Uh, we are going to be looking at uh, Matthew 28. If you would like to turn your Bible, we'll be there for the whole morning. Uh, we're going to be... Um, Looking this morning at this idea of the Great Commission and what makes the Great Commission great. So we'll start off with, with three things. First, uh, who gives it? The giver of the Great Commission is Jesus. Now that makes it pretty great. The second, um, when it's given. It's given at, at the very end of Jesus' ministry on earth, the very end of the Gospel of, of Matthew, um, the very end of 
this climactic moment that we celebrated last week as Jesus ascends to heaven and, and, and we celebrate uh, the Holy Spirit, we celebrate what happened in Acts 2 with Peter and Pentecost, and today is Trinity Sunday. And then the third thing that's great is why it's given. And that's that all authority and power, all of God's power and, and momentum and movement would be given to us. That we would be the body of Christ. That we would be fueled to carry out, to carry out His great teachings. His great commands. See, according to Matthew, the church exists to evangelize the whole world. The mission of the church is to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is here. You can look around and you can feel the kingdom of heaven in this room this morning. You can feel God's presence is so near and so true. With, with Jesus, especially in Matthew, Jesus is the one, He's the Messiah. That He's come to bring about these Old Testament prophecies and teachings into reality. Just as we see Moses in the mountain, uh, we see all these different times, time and time and time again, where a mountain is used. In Matthew, we look and there's a sermon on the mount. There's, there's four or five different illustrations of how Matthew has these climactic moments of being on this physical mountaintop. And this morning's text is one more time. So what makes the Great Commission great is that um, something that I want us to pay so close attention to. We're going to go verse by verse. We'll look at 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. And then at the end, we'll look at seven different ideas about as we go. We're, we're looking this morning as, as we go about being disciples, as we go about being lovers of God. So let's begin, if that sounds good. Uh, before I go, does anybody have any thoughts or questions? Can we go? The air is cooling down. It feels really nice. Uh, so thank you for, for doing that. And what a great setup team and a family. Uh, just walking in with, with everything here, it feels so warm. Um, that wasn't an air conditioning joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's begin. Uh, so verse 16. So now the 11 disciples which are now 11 because Judas uh, listened to the wrong, the wrong voices. He listened to, to Satan, um, led in a, in a terrible path, and, uh, and committed suicide. So now the 11, they go to Galilee. They go to this mountain that Jesus had directed them. So... There's an act of faithfulness that, that these 11 disciples are following out. An act of, of, of them, again, putting trust in their Messiah, their Savior. And again, Jesus delivers. Time and time and time again, we see the promises of Jesus coming through and coming true. And here's another. So they go and they meet without any idea of what's going on. 
Then we, we go in next and it says, And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, and some doubted. Now that, that doubted uh, is a really odd translation. The Greek word for that is more they hesitated. So some worshipped, and some hesitated. If you, flip, if you have your Bibles open or on your phones, you can look back in verse 9, and he gives this teaching to the women, that, that the women are to go out and to tell everyone. Uh, that they were to go um, to say that Jesus has been resurrected, that there is hope, that, that the Savior has come. They worshipped Him. Here we see that as the disciples, as the eleven come, some came worshipping and some were a little hesitant. Uh, there, there's not a lot about this passage, just that there's some truth. There's some truth as we are able to come even this morning. Um, and as we get to, to come to, to God's throne, that uh, sometimes we are so ready for God to bless our socks off. And sometimes the Holy Spirit has to work a little bit harder to get us there. And what I wanted to do just for a moment is, uh, if any of us are hesitant this morning, I wanted a chance just to pray for us. So if you would, let's bow our heads. And God, we do ask uh, for you to be here. What a beautiful morning of worship we have already had and what we are having now. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. God, I do pray that you will open up our ears, that we would, would hear your words this morning, that you will come wherever we are on our spiritual journey today, you will meet us here. You will remind us of our love and you will remind us of our calling to be lovers of you, to be your disciples. Sing over this place this morning. Prepare us for your word. We adore you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we go on to, to verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them, and they said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we, we get into these, these next three passages. This is the great claim that all authority on heaven has been given to me. The next verse that we look at will be the great challenge in verse 19, and then in verse 20, we'll see there's a great comfort. Jesus, this risen Lord, our risen Messiah, the, we're resurrection people. We are people of hope and of victory. No matter what the situation in our life presents, we can rest that we are a resurrected people. Jesus has come. He meets with, with his people, and he has this great claim. It's a claim that he gets from Daniel 7. In Daniel 7, it's in verses 13 and 14. Daniel writes, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up on the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. 
that all the peoples, nations, and the people of every language might serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So as Jesus is saying these words, His disciples know this text. It would be as if... uh, if Marshall and I were, were quoting a hymn or quoting a famous song, they would, they would understand when Jesus is saying this text is recalling to them this passage in Daniel 7. And they're starting to get a, a bigger picture of that there's something more going on here. There's, there's a, bigger, a bigger game at play that all authority... That Jesus has this universal reign and a universal claim that we are His body, we are His church. In Jesus' kingdom, it's an all-comprehensive, all-powerful move. Check out these all that He mentions. He mentions all authority over all nations and desires obedience all that, so that all I've commanded you. And then he gives an encouragement, and I will always be with you. It's a powerful claim. It's a powerful claim that he gave the eleven, and it's a powerful claim that he gives us today. All authority on heaven is in him. And we see what he does with that. And what he's doing is that he believes in us. He believes in the, the folks to your right and to your left and behind you and in front of you. See, Jesus isn't waiting um, in heaven like a, a prince waiting to be crowned a king. He's not sitting back in the recliner. Uh, in tailgate mode. Jesus is active in the world today. He's active in, in, in His mission and His purpose. And He's active in and through our lives. He's active in us and through us. In verse 19, He continues, and He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make all the nations into disciples. So we're called to go. We're called to be a people that are are moving. Jesus is sending us back to the world, back to love the world. Back into discipleship toward God. See, this, this point is, it's not an option. Jesus didn't go to his disciples and said, you know, if you feel like it today, it'd be really nice if you could go. For us as believers, as disciples, we must go. And then in 20, he has this great comfort. 
And he says, what I want you to do is teach them to obey. Teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm always going to be with you every single day to the end of the age. This word teaching, it's used throughout the the New Testament for instruction of how to live out our faith. Jesus didn't speak about education just for education purposes. He wasn't trying to set up um, a, a new program or a new development. And, and his, his teaching was for us to be able to live out a pattern of life. To live out a way of discipleship. Doesn't the thought of how he closes out his last words in Matthew, I am with you always. Doesn't that? That our Savior is always with us. Now, it's just as a, as a quick Note, go to Matthew 1 and look at how Matthew begins his gospel. When somebody has it, they can, they can start reading that. Christopher, you mind reading it? Yeah, it's, just start with, with one. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Yeah, you can, the, you can skip the genealogy, the names. The, the part, the there we go, that's it. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, <coughs> Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Thank you. In the very beginning of the Gospel, Matthew tells everyone, Hey, by the way, our Savior, our best friend, our Messiah is Emmanuel, God with us. God's story that that the angels sang over this couple. God with us. And Jesus' last words, remember, I'm always going to be with you. Throughout every situation, every celebration, I'll always be with you. So our mission is simple. It's to be and to do. It's to be and make disciples. To be and to live out the life of a disciple. I didn't say it was easy, I said it was simple. (laughs) This idea that in order for us to make disciples, we first have to be a disciple. I believe uh, in these... uh, incredible children that in their early stages of life they are disciples. They are growing in in Christ-likeness. That we here this morning have this opportunity to be disciples. To be disciples that multiply disciples 
that we have this great privilege and honor. See, for me, a disciple is someone that is a student, is a learner, um, is a, someone that practices out what they're, they're learning. Almost as if an apprentice. That we would be an apprentice of Jesus Christ who's growing closer to loving God and closer to loving others. An apprentice of Jesus that we're starting to see people the way that Jesus sees them. See this world that it is dark and fallen and that, that God is a restoring God bringing hope and newness in it. That we would see what's, what the life of a disciple is beginning to feel and look like. So for the rest of this morning, I'm going to look at seven quick ideas um, that we can, can grow in uh, as we look at growing into becoming a disciple. Uh, and the first one is go. It's pretty easy. Go. 650 times in the Bible. Um, the idea, though, that I want to give you this morning, and probably if we had sermons for this, a title for a sermon, it would be this, and it's as you go. So this idea of going is as you go. As you go about your daily life, make disciples. As you go about preparing lunches and breakfasts before school, as you go about um, going into your office, as you go about your daily life, make disciples of all nations. How do you do that? Because the Holy Spirit has to send us. That, that, that the Holy Spirit is, is a sending agency of God's goodness in and through us. So the way that we begin that is that we begin this time that we have to begin our day in prayer. We see it time and time and time again with Jesus. And in Matthew 6, Luke 11, uh, that as Jesus is praying, the disciples come to Him and they say, teach us how to pray like you're praying. We've prayed all of our life. We have to memorize the Torah. It's on a thing on our reading it. We have... we. We've prayed our entire life, but teach us to pray like you pray. We see you early in the morning, every morning praying to your Father. Teach us to pray like that. So, uh, this is the, the free sermon part um, that you get for extra. Um, but but it, the best ways... Um, Dads, this would be my, my Father's Day message, I guess. Uh, if you, to, to be a good dad, start every morning in prayer, praying for your family. Best thing you can do all day long, know their schedule, know what's going on in their lives, know what their, their, their fears are for the day and their excitements are for the day, and pray into their life. Wives, pray into your husband's lives. Sweet Kate and Claire, pray into your dad's life. Pray, pray into your family's life every morning. Pray into what you have going on in your day. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you spiritual eyes to see what God is doing and to send you. So as you go about your normal day life, God is with you. That's what he says in, in, in the, the, his last words. 
I'm with you always to the end of the age. Remind yourself in prayer that God is with you. So that as you go, you're being sent by the Holy Spirit as an encourager of hope and love. An encourager of resurrection life. As you go. As you go about your normal activity life of doing. Be a disciple. I should get Jack's hope for this. Or... Uh, Rachel's. Um, so, so Plato on this, Plato said, to be is to do. Philosophy. Um, Aristotle said, to do is to be. Uh, Frank Sinatra said, dooby dooby do. But the Bible says, be do, be do, be do, be do. Prayer pursues involvement. That it's, that it's prayer into action. It's, it's intimacy with God for a moment of your day. Asking God to fill you and, and, and start your day off. Holy Spirit, send me out so that I can do great things for you. I can be full of you and your power today. So that as I go, you will be going before me and behind me and with me. First point is go. Second point is for everyone. Everyone. Um, there's no height limit on who God can use. Like if you go to Six Flags, we're all tall enough. We've we've all we have all been to this this place that God will use us all. He used a terrorist in Saul, converted him, and made him one of the epic missionaries and biblical writers of our time. Everyone is included in God's love. No matter how far you've, you've, you've messed up, you can't be too far for God to be too good to be true to you. Amen. For God will bless and encourage and use. That the task is live an everyday Christian life. Live with power every day. And the victory every day, and the hope of resurrection every day. Even when our days are in the gutter and life is hard, and situations are not turning out the way that we've dreamt. Remember that we have a God that is always with us, always cheering for us, and always encouraging us, and that He'll be with us to the very ends of the age. This third point is that we're called to go and make disciples. I believe it's the primary principle in this commissioning for us would be that Jesus is giving us the authority to make disciples. This is not something that he's just given people that have graduated seminary or that know what Greek words mean. This is, this is a, a calling that he's placed for everyone that he loves that our responsibility in accepting His free gift of love is to love Him back. And the best way to love Him back is to live out His love. Amen. And to live out His love would be making disciples. So the way that we carry ourselves when we deal with um, 72 traffic, 
you know, um, the way that, that we deal with ourselves when our, our mornings or our agendas don't go exactly how we have planned. Or when things are tighter financially when they're not supposed to be. That we are to be this, this body of, of Christ. This believer that, that Jesus will operate in and through for his goodness. This idea would be to live a life of what an apprentice would be. You know, whenever I think of apprentice, I think of Mickey Mouse. You know, when you think of um, the, the, the cartoon that so many, so many years ago came out. But an apprentice is someone that watches what the master does. And they try to live out that same teaching. Imagine we have, a, we have a great opportunity this afternoon to go in and bring so much joy, uh, not only as an example to your children of this church, but an example to the three places you'll be going to. Tomorrow morning, you'll wake up and you'll have an example to be an apprentice of Jesus, apprentice of, of loving him and seeking him and everything that you do. <coughs> this fourth idea is no one is excluded from God's love. The scope of the Great Commission is universal, which all nation points out. Now, all nations in this context meant Gentiles. He was talking to the eleven that were all, that were all Jewish. So his all nations meant Jewish and Gentiles. For us, it's everyone. That no one... No one is excluded from God's love. That, uh, that we're drawn to pray for those that don't know God's love. It should hurt us. I have a great fear that as we take our last breaths, uh, that as others take their last breaths, what the church is doing right now is filling hell with people that think it's okay to be cool and accepted, but never challenging them to accept the love and, and the transformation and the power of Jesus Christ. And we as a church do a great job of, of welcome and, and acceptance. We also need to live with power. And we need to live out that power in our teaching. And we do not want to populate the gates of hell with people that thought it was okay to be cool and accepted. This, this picture, um, the, the best way we can respond to this, uh, Jill and McKay, Claire and I, next month we're traveling to Tokyo, Japan, 13 days, 12 days, 11 days, 13. Um, and, and, and we're going to go to a place that's 0.03% Christian. Um, we're going to get a chance because I have some title of a prayer pastor. I get to go into a prayer conference for, for leaders that are there. We get to spend weeks. All, all four of us are going to be investing in the lives of the missionaries there that are weary and tired. Uh, and then we get to go uh, to a church in Tokyo, and then we get to do one more uh, teaching uh, before we go. And we get a chance to, to try to give some encouragement 
back into these missionaries that have given their lives for the sake of changing that decimal point from 0.3% Christian to a greater number. You know, if you look up and down um, your, your street, um, your workplace, and your families, the, the thought of, of where those, those numbers lie, and some of us, we might have a hard time because we've tried to surround ourselves with positive examples of seeing those that might not be uh, believers. And I'm asking for us, um, of course, to pray for those that we know are not, but even stronger in this message today, as you are going about your everyday life, live as a disciple. That everyone you meet gets to be part of a mission project, and they don't even realize it. That's, that, that your family, um, that your co-workers, that your neighbors feel that they have been embraced by a missionary after they spend time with you. And this is who you are. It's who you're becoming. That as you go, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. No one's excluded. The fifth is I am with you. I am with you always. What a breathtaking promise. What a breathtaking promise to encourage um, people, once you, you do show them Christ, to talk about a God that is always with them, always wants the best for them, and that, that sings over them with love and kindness and grace and mercy. Whatever the task is, wherever it leads, Jesus is present. From from motivating from um, diapers to potty training, Jesus is present. You know, from, from motivating, uh, from uh, working with a coworker that's out for, for you and is trying to be uh, evil and, and wicked towards you, Jesus is present with you. From dealing with any situation in life, Jesus is present. It's the greatest gift that he can give us is his presence. For me, the, the idea of hell would be the absence of the presence of God in my life. The best gift he's given us is himself. Number six is multiply. Multiply not for the sake of, of multiplying, but multiply. Because the Great Commission, it states it's a command that we are obligated to make disciples. It's not something if we feel like it, if we feel um, that we're, we're learned enough or that we've we got a good story now so we can go and share that with somebody. You live out the compassion of Christ. You let them know that Jesus is, is, is the way, the truth, and the life. We're obligated to share out this incredible love of Christ. So the church, our clear, our present example is to present Jesus as King. On this, this Trinity Sunday, we look back to Genesis 1 that was read and we see in 26 and 27 that, that we were created in the image of God. 
God doesn't make mistakes. He makes artwork and beauty. Amen. He's given us all the resources that we need to be the child of God, to be this disciple, to be this driven, fully empowered by Him individual into our family's life and into this world's life. We're coming up to a time that um, I've never experienced where our culture is becoming more and more secular. I have a fear that what we experienced, um, the Christianity in the, in the 80s with Ronald Reagan, that we're never going to get back to that moment in our in our politics. That sounds depressing and down. But we are becoming more and more secular in our culture. Um, when, I, when we started doing youth ministry, no one ever thought about having any kind of games on a Wednesday night and nothing ever on a Sunday. You know, um, and that now those things are just slowly, slowly, and slowly disappearing. This is the time and the season for us to take up our mantle, to take up our calling, and to say that as we are going, we're going to make disciples through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, thank um, Pastor Amy for those words. I know many people are like me. A lot of times we get to this time in the service, we're already thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch or whatever. But <clears throat> I encourage you to, you know, think about what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and you know, respond. I mean, pray to Him. You can pray there in your seat. You can pray up here if you like. Um, someone will pray with you if you want them to. But you know, take this time as Rachel plays uh, to 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 pray to God and 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 to uh, respond to what He said to each one of us. Thank mm-hmm. you.